to another brand new episode of T Watches a Scary Movie. My name is T, and of course, we're talking scary movies. I appreciate everybody tuning in for another brand new episode. Remember, new episodes go up every Wednesday night, the video version at 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. You can find it on YouTube. That's youtube.com slash C slash Theron Reynolds Scary Movie. If you're not sure about the spelling, look right there because it's listed in all my handles there. Again, youtube.com slash C slash Theron Reynolds Scary Movie. But maybe you're not watching. Maybe you're just listening. And remember that this show is available on all your favorite podcasting platforms, iTunes, Podbean, Amazon Music. Just search for T watches a scary movie and as a treat to everybody the audio only version goes up 30 minutes in advance at 8 p.m mountain standard time every wednesday obviously i want y'all to subscribe so make sure you're hitting that subscribe button whether you're listening to the audio or watching the video hit that subscribe button because i want to make sure you can come back and catch more episodes more interviews all that great goodness that we bring to you on a weekly basis and If this is your first time joining us, don't forget, you got a couple other places where you can keep up with everything that's going on. Get to the Facebook group. That'll let you be a part of our watch parties that we do and find out which ones we're doing, as well as see what episodes that we have coming up. You can get into great conversations with us as well, too. Uh, That's Facebook.com slash groups slash T Scary Movie. Again, Facebook.com slash groups slash T Scary Movie. And you want to get directly to my access, my content and everything there. You can find me on Twitter at Axdew, that's A-X-D-E-W. Spend a lot of time talking about horror movies, pro wrestling, and other just bullshit that interests me any point of the day there. Or you can follow me on Instagram, that's a Theron underscore Reynolds, and that's where you can see my uh, thoughty horror photos and everything as well. Uh, always try to find something great to wear for you guys. Uh, today, I'm uh, paying honor to one of my favorite professional wrestlers of all time who passed away recently, Mr. Scott Hall or Razor Ramon, as you might know him. Wolfpack for life, baby. Uh, yeah, figure this fit there. The Wolfpack logos always kind of fit in with horror and they're kind of the cooler ones anyway. So that's what we're rocking here tonight. So what do we have to talk about? Well, we got a lot of new stuff. Uh, we've been so lucky in the last couple of years to get so many good new and fresh horror films and 2022 has been no different so far we've already gotten scream 5 we've gotten the cursed and now we're looking at another one that came uh, directly to hulu that's getting a lot of buzz right now tonight we're going to be discussing fresh yes uh some of y'all probably seen the previews for it because it's been played up a lot on social media and on tv as well too starring daisy edgar jones and sebastian stan i'm excited to talk about that one with y'all uh head note there there are going to be some spoilers we're going to talk about that one secondly uh just because of the fact that we kind of have to spoil some things that accurately talk about it you'll see when we get there but just a heads up warning for you now there are going to be some spoilers i usually observe a 10-year rule i'm going to do that for the most part but there's some things i gotta reveal in that review all right and i found a perfect pairing to go with that another dastardly tale of a man who is not all that he seems and the uh the evil that he's bringing to not just women but uh the men who find out about it as well too 
in Bad Samaritan with David Tennant, who you might uh, might all know from Doctor Who fame. So that's what we're talking tonight is Bad Samaritan and Fresh, two great horror films. I'm excited to get in with y'all. But before we get to that, we got a little other news to talk about. So y'all know, I've talked about it on the show. I reviewed uh, what was hands down my absolute favorite game on the PlayStation 4, a little game called Until Dawn which was developed by this group called uh, uh, Supermassive Games. And basically it was the latest in a vi- uh, it, the latest version of like an FMV cinematic style of game. Uh, you know, companies have been making these for a while. Quantic Dream's another, uh, another favorite of mine because they made uh, Heavy Rain and uh, was it Fahrenheit 351, 451. Uh, they made Detroit Become Human, uh, Beyond Two Souls. And I love games like that. If you have not played a game like Until Dawn, the idea is is that you're not really playing, uh, you know, any kind of like old school action adventure style game or anything like that. Usually, you're controlling one or more characters, and the real job that you're doing is playing this movie out. You're there to decide what they're saying to other characters, and then you have a series of what's called Q2, uh, QTEs or quick time events, to where you really quickly have to press a certain button or multiple buttons or do something on your controller to get your character to do what they're doing on screen. Which I know, aren't we just saying that's a video game? Sure, but most video games, like let's take for example. Gears of War, okay? Gears of War, you go through as a couple soldiers and you're fighting, uh, you know, fighting beasts from under the ground, the locusts and all that stuff. And take cover, shoot, take cover, shoot, you know, go around here, collect this, collect that. That's not really what these games are about. Yeah, there's a lot of exploring involved, but you're really directing a movie is really the way to look at it. You're setting these scenes up and you're trying to complete these scenes in all of these games that you're playing. And Supermassive has done such a great job with these games over the last 10 years or so. They're really, in my opinion, the leading leading company out there doing it because Until Dawn was just this revelation, this fantastic game that broke out because they they made like a full-length movie for it. They, they basically made a movie that took like hours to beat. And it started off being this slasher film, which is so good because you know me on this show, I love slasher films. So you get your uh, your homages to, you know, things like Scream and I Know What You Did Last Summer and, you know, Prom Night and uh, When a Stranger Calls and all these kinds of like slasher films. But then halfway through, it changes to a creature feature. And it worked so well in Until Dawn that it was hard for me not to look at that game and be like, this game is the tits. This game is just the best game to come out on this system. They took that concept and they made a uh, they made a prequel to it uh, called The Inpatient, I believe. Never uh, never got a chance to beat it. It was on PlayStation VR. Um, I got stuck in a few sections, so that went that. But then they came out with a series called The Dark Pictures Anthology, which was going to be a new game basically every year and kind of a smaller game than what Until Dawn was, because Until Dawn was designed as like this big, big, just full AAA title. Uh, that you're going to sink, you know, eight or nine hours into after multiple replays and endings and different scenes and stuff like that. Dark Pictures did the same thing, but on a smaller scale. This time you're only looking at maybe, you know, three to four hours of gameplay. If you add in like some replays, alternate endings, things like that as well too. But they came out with three so far. We had Man of Madam, which starred Sean Ashmore, who you might remember from like the X-Men series or the following. 
Um, we had Little Hope, which uh, starred Will Poulter, who you might know from Detroit or from uh, upcoming Guardians of the Galaxy 3 or Where the Millers, uh, amongst other things. Fantastic actor. And then their most recent one that came out last fall, House of Ashes, which starred Ashley Tisdale from the High School Musical series. So they still have more of these games coming out. But last week, a bombshell got dropped that Supermassive and 2K Games were working on a follow-up to Until Dawn, another full-length game that was going to still have, you know, all your choices in there and your quick-time events and everything. But it would harken back to what Until Dawn did, and it was going to follow a pretty strict concept and make a movie out of that. And they announced The Quarry. And The Quarry looks absolutely fantastic here uh because have you seen the cast if you haven't seen the cast who's going to be a part of this game we have got some legends in there we got david arquette right off screen five coming in and starring in this you got lynn shay from insidious amongst a lot of other things you have lance henriksen aliens lance henriksen pumpkinhead in this as well ted Raimi is in this from xena Evil Dead. Oh my God! Ted Raimi's in it. Ariel Winters in it. Ethan Suplee's, uh is in it as well. Uh, Halston Stage, uh, Sage, Brenda Strong, uh, Brenda Song, Skylar Gazondo, who I absolutely love and was one of the only good parts to me at least about uh, Licorice Pizza. Less said about that movie, the better. Justice Smith, like it has a cast. This is a pretty serious cast going for it. And it's kind of one of the biggest endeavors for a game like this, because even until dawn, which had uh, Brett Dalton, I think it is, is his name from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and uh, Hayden Panettiere and Oscar winner Rami Malek of all people in it as well. Like those are big names for sure. But it's like this is like a horror fan's dream, this quarry game that's coming out and Again, the idea seems to be that they're going to be taking inspiration from a lot of classic uh, classic slasher type movies like The Hills Have Eyes, um, Text Chainsaw Massacre, Deliverance. But apparently, we're also, which would be uh, make the most sense, is we're going to get some supernatural elements because also things that have been cited is Evil Dead and The Thing. So I don't know what to expect from this game. It seems there's going to be a, a, a killer at some kind of camp. That's where this seems to be set at is a summer camp where these kids are all working and the sheriff's telling them to get out before some shit happens. So who knows if it's going to end up being like a Friday the 13th situation where a killer shows up, but then it goes even worse than that. Because Until Dawn, which again, I'm not going to spoil the exact events of it, but Until Dawn started off as a slasher flick and then about halfway through went hard into a creature feature and it worked perfectly uh the quarry doesn't have to do that i don't need like a, a twist to pop up that's going to change that whole dynamic up but i i'm positive that's what they're going to do is still change the genre halfway through and i'm stoked for it y'all these are my kind of games this is really what i spend my money on what i spend my time on as well too i still go back and i love playing games like night trap that is absolutely fantastic i'm a big fan of things like dragon's lair and space ace as well which are all basically the same kind of games so the more of this the better and you bet your boy has already got it pre-ordered i'm amped for this and it reminded me of another game that i've talked about here that was going to be coming out this year called ghost if you remember that one ghost was created by jed shepherd visible games and I know Limited Run Games is doing like, uh, they're, I think they're producing the physical copies of it. But Jed Shepard took his entire cast of the movie Host. You might remember that one uh, that came directly to Shudder 
fantastic horror movie done entirely over Zoom. An amazing film, and at one hour, it is one of the best horror films of the last 20 years. I'll say all time, but you know, New Millennium, like this, it's a really damn good movie, honestly, and it's scary too. So Jed Shepard announced that he was gonna be making this game, which was going to be an FMV game. It's a full motion video game. He specifically cited Night Trap, Phasmagoria, and Seventh Guest, some classics in this genre. And oh my God, I am I am absolutely ready for this one. Um, gonna be fantastic. And I forgot that it came out this year. And the fact that we're gonna get Ghost, we're gonna get The Quarry, and then uh, Dark Picture still has another film coming out, uh, another game coming out. And it's based around a serial killer this time. Guys, we're in horror game heaven, especially if you're you're like me and like those type of games. We're just in heaven. Now, I'd be lying if I, if I didn't say that I really wanted uh, a company like Supermassive or even Telltale. Um, anybody out there to make one of these games based on an existing property. You know, we've gotten a Friday the 13th game recently, which I absolutely love. Dead by Daylight still going strong, and they've got all the tie-ins from things like Stranger Things, Hellraiser, Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, and so on. And we do have a Texas Chainsaw Massacre game that's coming out uh, end of this year? End of this year, I think it is, it's, or it's early next year, that's coming out as well, too, from the guys that did uh, Friday the 13th. We also just announced a new Ghostbuster game from uh, Ilphonic as well, too. And Ilphonic did the Friday the 13th game, which it's crazy to think. Ghostbusters have been around since the 80s, and we have not had a game that would allow you to play co-op with the Ghostbusters and bust some ghosts. The closest that we got to that was Ghostbusters, the video game that came out, what, 07? I think it was 07 or 08. The Wii version of that game was co-op, but... That was back when you really had to decide which version of the game you were going to get. And presumably most people picked it up on Xbox or on PlayStation 3 because you're going to get the better graphics. It had a different multiplayer component. But it's insane to think that Ghostbusters has been around for the 80s, the 90s, the 20s, 2010s, and now the 2020s. Like almost five decades has this been around at this point. And we have not gotten a co-op game of note for Ghostbusters. So this is gigantic that it's gonna happen like that. Four versus one gameplay on it. We're just reveling right now in horror games, y'all. And that's what I love to see. And I say that only because I'm willing into it that by this fall, Resident Evil 8, Resident Evil Village will have the VR mod completed for it. I say that because Resident Evil 7, one of the best VR experiences that I have, might be the best VR experience that I've ever had there. And my problem with 8 was going back to non-VR for it. Uh, I could play other Resident Evil games without it, but damn it, if Resident Evil 7 was not better because of the VR, I need that for 8 before I really dive into it. And you're talking to a guy who has bought that game twice now. I own it on PlayStation 4, or I guess 5 now, and I own it for Xbox One. So give me the damn VR mod, okay? I am ready to play that the right way, folks, all right? But it's time to get into some movies. I'm going to start this off by talking about Bad Samaritan because, again, Fresh does have some spoilers in it. So, Bad Samaritan focuses around two car valets, Sean and Derek, who 
decide to take their job as valets as an opportunity to rob the houses of their clients. So they pick up a car at the restaurant that they work, they go back to the owner of that car's house, they burglarize it, bring the car back, and no one's the wiser. Sean, our main character, uh, is somebody who's really not doing everything with his life that he could be. He clearly has a skill for photography, he clearly has a skill for uh, being a creative soul and just having these ideas, but he doesn't really want to do anything with it. So, Sean's the perfect foil when they run across Kale Erendrich. Aaron, Aaron, Aaron? Oh, God, I'm not going to get his last name. Kale, per, played by David Tennant, one of their potential victims. Uh, Sean goes to burglarize Kale's house and unfortunately stumbles upon the fact that Kale is holding a woman captive in his house. Now, Stop me if you've heard a premise similar to like that before. Uh, you know, a rings of movies like uh, The Collector, for example, or even something like Hostel, um, uh, what's it called, uh, Panic Room, things like that. And we put a more of a horror, more of a sinister spin on those kind of films. We don't know anything so far about Kale, okay? We spend, obviously, the early part of the movie getting to know more about Sean and, to an extent, his partner, Derek. We also get to uh, get to know a little bit more about uh, about Sean's girlfriend, uh, Riley, that he's seeing and a bit about everything that kind of circles him, his family, his job, all these kind of stuff. And we're left kind of thinking that Sean's a likable enough guy, but the fact that he's lazy and doesn't really put his best self forward to make it in life makes him also a little bit on the insufferable side because like his family apparently can see, like his girlfriend can see, we see the potential in Sean, but he's not doing anything with it at all. So again, Sean's the perfect foil. He ends up in uh, uh, in Kale's house and finds this woman being held captive, and he's left with a morality choice of what to do. Because if Sean lets her out, if Sean calls the cops, they're going to find out about him and Derek's scheme of robbing the clients of their valet business. But do you do that? Do you let her die? Because it's on you at that point that you know it. And that's really what the movie is focused about. Is as Sean tries to do more and more to help this woman escape from Kale's grasp. And we find out a lot more about uh, this woman. Played by Carrie Condon, by the way. Who's a fantastic actress. Uh, Sean, uh, Sean gets to learn more and more about the deranged individual that Kale really is. And... It's great getting to see David Tennant play another villain like this. Um, I know a lot of people remember David Tennant as being Doctor Who and being one of the best incarnations of Doctor of uh, the Doctor as well. But some of us also know him from Marvel as the Purple Man, and uh, the Purple Man was one of the one of the best villains that they've had across the MCU. Which I'm glad they're finally kind of acknowledging these shows because he was on Jessica Jones and Jessica Jones was a Netflix show and only now are those Netflix shows starting to get a little bit more attention. That show's been done for years at this point. And he played a very great sinister character and they're very similar to Kale as well who abuses the power that he has to hurt people with that. And obviously uh there's there's a big uh, there, there's a big backstory here about who kale really is and we kind of catch flash uh, flashbacks and glimpses over the course of the movie to kale's childhood which kind of explains the reason why he's so deranged why he's so evil and just the way he is towards women and it's interesting seeing that play out over the course of the movie because it's very clear that his captives he conditions in a way to where look you have so much freedom right now 
the moment you fuck up, I will rain hell down upon you. And we get to see that a number of different times to where he's ready to basically kill this woman that he has captive, but ends up having to pull back because she's not necessarily breaking certain rules of his. And that brings him into contention with Sean because throughout the entire film, Sean's trying to figure out a way to free this captive woman. At the same time, he stops caring more and more about himself. He wants this woman to live. He wants to save her. But what is he willing to sacrifice to make that happen? Because Sean begins to lose more and more throughout the course of this film. And Kale is a deranged individual. Some of the things that he does to fuck Sean's life and the people that are in it are absolutely just out of pocket. There are just some of the worst things that you can think of. And Sean, some of this is karma for him because you have to remember, we're watching Sean. Sean is a burglar. That's what he does is that he robs people. A lot of people who don't deserve it most likely as well too. And this might be a little bit of a karma happening to him for everything that he's done. And Sean accepts everything that might be happening personally to him. But what really pushes him is to stop all his friends and family being affected by this evil man who now has him in his sights. And Kale seems to always be one step ahead of Sean that it forces him into some extreme, extreme uh, moves in his life to get this all worked out. Now, there's not a lot of death in this movie. There really, really isn't. Um, and again, we don't judge based on the amount of deaths or brutality or anything like that. But... David Tennant, I just have to say again, is a fantastic villain. He knows a way to bring the intensity and bring like this evilness to a certain role. And I hate calling it because I never like judging folks on body type or anything. But, you know, you look at David Tennant and you think this is not really that imposing of a guy. Like I could probably I could probably beat him in a one to one fight. I am not saying that, but I'm sure a lot of people probably look at David Tennant and things like Doctor Who or Fright Night or whatever. It's like, you know what? I could fight this guy. And. He gets to play this fantastic role to where we're un we're unassuming about him. He doesn't look like even a good comparison would be like um, Christian Bale in American Psycho. Like, yeah, we don't think he's a psychopath or the general public wouldn't think that that man's a psychopath. But you probably also wouldn't fuck with this guy as well, too, because he looks like he's capable of taking taking you out. Whereas David Tennant's character seems like a guy who pays for everything. He's not the guy that's actually going to do these terrible things. He's just going to pay somebody to do it. And it was great to see that, nope, Kale likes getting his hands dirty. It's not just these, uh, these women that he's kidnapped and he's tortured that gives him power. He is an evil, evil man who does not mind doing things himself to get what he wants. And I absolutely loved seeing that come out because as Kale slips more and more into the depravity as the film goes on, he just makes for this perfect villain. Now, not all of it does work. Some of this is incredibly unbelievable, including when Sean does start to get the law, uh, get law enforcement involved, but it's still such an engaging story and Sean becomes a much more likable character as the movie goes on that it's hard not to stay involved. It's hard not to stay focused on everything going on and enjoying what we see coming out on screen. Now, with all of that said, with all of that said, there's obviously some underlining messaging here that uh, Brandon Boyce was going for. 
Um, Brandon Boyce, the writer of this. And believe it or not, you know who directed this film, a name that some of you might re uh, recognize if I call out a movie there. Uh, this film was directed by Dean Devlin. And if that name sounds familiar, it's because Dean Devlin did, uh, you know, he wrote Universal Soldier, he wrote Stargate, he wrote uh, and well, he directed, star or he produced it as well, but he wrote Independence Day, he wrote uh, Godzilla, and he's been a part of some of the biggest films of our lifetime. He's been a part of the biggest films. And yet and still, this is only one of two films that this man directed. The only other film he directed was Geostorm. You know, the one with, um, what's his name? Dude from 300, Gerard Butler in it, fighting storms and shit now. Uh, this is only his second film that he directed, and it's really, really good. It's actually kind of surprising that he didn't write this one. But again, there's a lot of morality in this, which I love in a film, because Sean is not the perfect protagonist. He's, he's absolutely not the perfect protagonist. And we're even set up to where at certain points, we really, really need to dislike Sean versus liking him in any aspect at all. His friend Derek makes sense because Derek is always going to be like the devil on his shoulder, pushing him to do stuff that, you know, is going to get them, uh, get them both in trouble. He doesn't want to take responsibility for things, but Sean starts to gain that conscience and becomes a much more accessible character, uh, character to us by the end of the movie. But it's a terrible feeling in your stomach watching as things get worse and worse for Sean, uh, like throughout the course of this film. But it's fantastic. It's an absolutely fantastic movie that I know a lot of people did not get a chance to see. So you gotta check this one out for sure. Um, I love the ending to it as well. Uh, I love a good face off with a villain who shouldn't be as good as he is, but it worked out pretty well for Sean and Kale, I think. So check it out, that's Bad Samaritan. Okay, so now we're gonna change gears a bit and we're gonna talk about something a little bit more on the flesh side. Yeah, yeah, no, I know, it's a bad pun, it's a terrible pun. Every now and then I got good ones, this was not a good one at all. We are talking about Fresh. Yeah, we're talking Fresh, uh, the new Hulu thriller coming out, again starring Daisy Edgar Jones and Sebastian Stamp. Now, uh, didn't know anything about this film in the least bit. Um, I've admitted on this show before, I've admitted it in person. One of the issues I have is that sometimes I really only go and see mainstream released films. So you gotta be in theaters, gotta have a little bit of buzz about it, and that'll be the way that I see it. In the last five to 10 years, I've been trying to get out of that habit so I can see more and more and more, because there's a lot, especially in horror, that's not accessible that way of being a mainstream horror film released in theaters. And if the pandemic has taught us anything, we know that majority of the good horror films aren't being released in the theaters. They're direct-to-video, direct-to-streaming, whatever the hell you want to call it. And this is one of those ones to where a lot of people might have ended up missing it if they're not subscribed to Hulu. Uh, this film came out at the Sundance Film Festival and was getting nothing but raves about it. Absolute raves. So the story focuses around Noah, uh, a young woman who's trying out some online dating. She's using, you know, an unnamed random dating app. And the beginning of the film shows us this terrible experience that she has. And, you know, 
there's a lot of commentary I feel in that. It could be that our writer Lauren Kahn and our director Mimi Cave are making comments on, you know, the state of app dating these days. You know, your tenders, your grinders, your OK Cupids, your Bumble, all that stuff that's out there. Um, I think all of us at a certain point have had bad experiences with that. And depending on who you are, your experiences might be completely bad. And one thing that's out there, and hey, we gotta accept that, is that the people who have the worst experiences on there are women. Women have the worst time on dating apps because sure, there's some good guys out there. Like, we're, we're good. But the flip of that is there's a lot of assholes, there's a lot of terrible people who have no self-awareness at all, and that's what we see. And at the beginning of this film is Noah, played by Daisy Edgar-Jones, is just on one of the worst experiences she can have with an online date. Her friend even warns her, like, hey, are you sure you want to do it? You should just leave. Like, it's going to be a bad time. And she's like, well, I'm already here, so I might as well. And it proceeds to be just as bad as her friend tells her it's going to be. And I'm talking hilariously bad. And I know, like, this scene is played for laughs at the beginning of the film. It is fucking hilarious. But at the same time, you should also know that that is a real thing. Like, it'd be crazy if that wasn't something that I'm sure has happened to a lot of you women out there that might be listening or watching this right now. I'm sure that's a real one to the point to where the guy that Noah's on a date with when she says, I don't think we're a match at all, immediately does a 180 and starts rip, trying to rip her to shreds. And it's like, this is so real to life at that point. And it's fucking frustrating as hell that us as men can do that. And women do it too. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Women absolutely do that too. But us as men are just so like, we're fucking idiots when it comes to a lot of that stuff. And that's one of the best things about this film. There's a lot of really good things about it is that Mimi Cave and Lauren Kahn set up a rom-com in the first third of this film. We don't even get titles at all. And it's the perfect introduction to everything that comes later because not only is it a rom-com in the first third of this film, it's a good one as well. We get to see Noah and her new beau, Steve, uh, that she meets at the grocery store talking over cotton candy grapes. They connect, and then we get to see their kind of whirlwind romance, how they, you know, they go on these dates, they fall in, she cooks for them, they order stuff out, they dance. Uh, they're they're going to make these, this trip to go away. Like, it's actually perfect because this would be a plot of a full movie. And if you haven't watched the trailers, if you don't know what you're getting into, you might think that that's literally the purpose of this movie. That it's not going anywhere sinister at all. And that's one of the biggest successes about it is that had this not turned out to be, you know, going into very, very disturbing territory, this movie could have absolutely worked as a rom-com. Daisy Edgar Jones is a fantastic lead. She is so good because you feel that you have that friend, all right? I feel that everybody could look at how Noah is in this film and be like, you know what? I have a Noah in my life. I do have this friend who talks just like this. Same kind of mannerisms and everything as well. Uh, just you have that person in your life. And that's part part of that's writing. Part of that obviously is uh, Daisy Edward, Ed, Edgar Jones' performance with it too. She just gives Noah this such relatable quality to her. And she's phenomenal. She's absolutely fantastic in this role. And to counter that is Sebastian Stan, who a lot of us I know from Marvel, from, uh, you know, he's the Winter Soldier, but more recently had something even better to do in Pam and Tommy as Tommy Lee and did a great job with that because Tommy Lee is such an interesting person that 
I think a lot of us like know like yeah you know people in motley Crue, they're alcoholics they're drug addicts uh you know they're probably still okay people but they've done a lot of shit things in their lives as well and it's interesting to see tommy lee go from being this fun loving great guy to just he's an asshole he's an asshole from what we see in that series and all of that is because sebastian stan put in a great performance there so these two play so well with each other that if it had just been this romantic comedy it would have been perfectly fine. I absolutely wouldn't have had any issues with that. But instead, we find out something more sinister is afoot. Steve has a habit of kidnapping young women and selling off their body parts to interesting buyers. Now, that's all I'm gonna say because if I go in any further, I'm gonna give up spoilers that I really, really don't wanna give up here. But the fact that we spend so long on developing this romance uh this romantic chemistry between steve and noah and we're really happy for noah like we're so happy like she's met a great guy the diamond in the rough uh she didn't even have to do a dating app to do it she met him old old school style just in person randomly we're pulling for noah for this to work out and we're also hoping steve don't be this guy you're so great you're so amazing Please don't be a psychopath who uh, kills people. And damn it, Steve, you let us down. You're a psychopath that murders young women. And we fucking hate that. But we also love it because you do such a good job, Sebastian Stan, in this role. And Steve is so charismatic and charming. But there's a lot of commentary in here. Because we find out a lot more about Steve's life as the movie goes on. And there's a lot of background information that should really give you an idea about the way that Steve really does look at things. For example... When uh, Noah's best friend, um, uh, Molly, played by Jonica T. Gibbs, who does an amazing job in this, uh, starts looking up Steve's background in his life and everything, finds out a little of Blue Lives Matter support is going on. And we also get an idea, uh, you know, if you didn't get that from Steve cutting up and killing women and everything, uh, we get the idea as well that Steve has that alpha male mindset that, you know, I am the alpha male, women are there to serve us, if you're not serving us, you're just a bitch, basically. You're just, you have no purpose except to serve me. And if you betray my trust, if you upset me, if you anger me, you are the problem, and I'm going to deal with that swiftly. And the way that Steve uh, interacts with Noah in the later stages of this film definitely shows that. Noah is forced into survival because she knows what's inevitably coming for her. She knows what Steve is going to do to her. So we spend the rest of the movie in a bit of a cat and mouse game of figuring out when is Steve going to start doing more? When is Steve going to hurt this woman? And when is Noah going to be able to make her move and hopefully fight or escape away from Steve? And the dynamic gets interesting because as you can probably expect with a romantic chemistry and a relationship between the two characters in the first third of the film, that's going to come back up. And it speaks into, again, what I mean about this whole alpha male tendencies that Steve is set up to have because we find out that Noah is one of his only captives that he's actually enjoyed, that he's actually liked, that he's actually uh, kept on developing these feelings for. And that is mentioned a number of times. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the moment that Noah becomes submissive, Steve is okay willing to like her again. He's willing to accept Noah again to where he was willing to just be done with her. And that says a lot because Noah is smart enough to also understand that 
she might not get out of here unless she decides to change a lot of what's going on in her head. And there's a lot of fighting against your own impulses and desires between both characters. And it has rewards and it also has uh, some very strict punishments for both of them as the movie goes on. Now, uh, I can tell you it is a bit of a gory film, but not in the way that you would think. Uh, to talk about one certain aspect of Fresh, again, would give away some very big spoileristic tendencies. But what I will say is that um, our director, Mimi Cave, uh, did such a great job picking shots out to focus on like the uh, the blood and guts of this movie. Literally, the blood and guts of this movie. She picked out some amazing shots to use for that. And I love it because it shows us that the star of this movie isn't you know the legs the arms the torso the blood the guts all that that's not the focus that's not the centerpiece of this film and when it's presented it's presented in such this like beautiful light that it's hard to look at it and recoil it's hard to look at it and be like ew because the way she shoots and the way she frames it the way she focuses on all of this like gore and terrible things happening makes it seem so dreamy it makes it seem like it's actually more beautiful than really what this situation is and it's fucking crazy to say that love the fact that our side cast as well isn't wasted you know i mentioned jonica t gibbs as molly already molly is fantastic in this film and a perfect perfect friend to noah uh there's a blit a bit of black savior in there which i i don't like that if you don't know what that is that's the where a black character in film only exists, especially in horror, only exists to save their white friend, to save their white family member, to be that person that's going to help them out. But they're ultimately the cannon fodder. Think The Shining. Uh, that's a that's a great example of that. And it's happened in plenty of other films as well, too. And Molly does play into that. But Molly also gets to be the voice of reason, which I like. Um, and I think that's kind of how they play that down is that throughout the film, Molly is very clear with Noah and even after she no longer has access to Noah, Molly is very clear with herself what one of the biggest problems here, uh, the, uh, one of the biggest problems this could end up being. Uh, like, hey, that's a red flag. That's a red flag. That's a red flag. This shit doesn't check out. Don't do this. It's an issue. From the beginning of the film up until the end of the movie, Molly is doing nothing but spitting out truth. And I love that about her is that she is a smart, smart character. It's so good. So, so good. Um, and this film has a lot of tales about karma in it as well, just like Bad Samaritan did, to where certain characters are going to get what's coming to them by the end of this movie. And that certain slights that are going to happen here, believe me, you're going to get payback for that slight that you committed by the time everything is said and done and everybody suffers. Everybody in this film, with the exception of our bartender, suffers in this film. Every single person. And I love that about it is that nobody is a bystander in this film. Not a single person. Everybody is so deep into what's going on. This was fresh. Take the name out of this was an incredibly fresh take on this kind of tale. Because I like getting a new villain. Steve is frightening, but he's also charming. And that's what makes him so good. Noah is a fantastic protagonist. This is a girl that you could absolutely see if like she was in any other horse franchise she'd probably do a really, really good job of taking care of herself at that point. She's smart, she's strong, she's cunning. Uh, like everything about her screams 
great horror protagonist, great protagonist in general. And it helps the fact that Daisy Edgar Jones is so fucking likable too. Like she is just a really, really likable actress that does an amazing job in this role. You gotta check it out. It's on Hulu right now. Who knew? Who knew honestly that uh, such a fresh take would be so tasty? Such a fresh take on horror would be that tasty. Who knew? Look at us having fun. That's going to do it for us, though, folks. I appreciate you tuning in and checking out what we got going on here. Uh, again, we got a chance to talk about a brand new film. We got to talk about Fresh. We got to talk about Bad Samaritan. And we talked a little bit about some video game movies, which are some, excuse me, some movie video games, all horror, that I absolutely love. You got to come back next week, though. We are not breaking this new movie streak. Next week, we're looking at a classic, D. Snyder's Strangeland. And we're looking at the Foo Fighters Studio 666. That's right, folks. We're going to take a look at them. I'm excited for that one, honestly. Um, I've heard nothing but good things about it, so I'm ready to see it. But we also got some other good stuff, because y'all better believe I'm going to go see X. I'm going to watch Uma. And we're going to watch Monster as well, too. So we got a lot of new stuff coming up for y'all. Make sure you're going to the Facebook page so you can see what's coming up. Make sure you subscribe. Hit that subscribe button so you can catch new episodes as they come out as well, too. But you do got to get to the Discord, which you can do by going to discord.gg slash tscarymovie if you want to watch something scary with us. We're going to finish up fresh, and then we're going over to Bad Samaritan, folks. So get to the Discord now so you can join us. And tell me what you thought of these films in the comments, all right? I don't care if it's audio version. I don't care if it's video version. Let me know what you're thinking. That's my time, though, folks. My name is T. We've been talking scary movies. Stay scared.